Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So good to be with you here this morning as we continue our sermon series. Once again, great job, third graders. Very proud of you. I'm going to need one of your guys' help, though, in a little minute, all right? So be ready, okay? I'm going to call one of you out to come on up here on the stage and to finish the sermon off for me, okay? All right, no, not that part. It'll be easier than that, all right? Get ready. We're in the second week of our sermon series, Foundations. You saw the bumper. Uh, All of our life groups are meeting right now. We're uh, gathering. We're aligning ourselves around this study called Foundations. Uh, We got kids from zero years old all the way up to 100. Uh, We're worshiping. We're talking about this in our services. And during the week, people are gathering uh, uh, together in homes and on campus around God's word uh, to dig even deeper. Uh, There's even a family component in this study guide. There's one page in each study that talks about how you can do it as a family, tell the story, pray for your children, and bless them. So if you haven't picked up one of these study guides, pick one up on the way out. It's a really great tool to help you uh, bring God's blessings into your family. If you're not part of a life group yet, grab a couple of them. It's not rocking science. You gather some friends together and you grow together in God's word. Uh, we'd love to help you do that. Anyway, so we're talking about foundations and the foundations that we build our life on. Ultimately, as Christians, we talk about 1 Corinthians 3.11. It says that no one can lay any other foundation than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. We talk about that. We know that Christ is our rock. Christ is our foundation. He's the solid rock. And the, the series that we're talking about over these six weeks, it's designed to help us fix our lives more firmly to the rock, to the firm foundation of Jesus. And so last week, we looked at the word story. We looked at God's big story and how he's working in the world in creation, in the fall, in redemption, and in restoration, and how our story fits into God's big story. This week, we're looking at where that story is found. That story is found in the Word of God, the Bible. Now, I could get up here and talk a whole long time about the Bible. I love the Bible. I could talk to you about the reliability of the Bible as a historical document, which is fascinating. There's no other ancient writing in the history of the world that is so historically verifiable and attested to. The statistics on it are just amazing. I could also get up here and talk about the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic that is written, the different languages in the Bible, the different writers. And even though it was written by so many different people over thousands of years, there is one unified message, Jesus. There's one author, God. 2 Peter chapter 1 says this, For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though humans, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I could also get up here and talk about the Bible and the the lenses that we look at the Bible. For all of you nerds out there, those are called hermeneutical principles, all right? Those are the lenses that we look at the Bible. And so as Lutherans, we talk about law and gospel. We look at the Bible and we see the law and we see the gospel. There's so much that we could talk about and I could teach you about with the Bible, with the word of God. But I want to ask you some questions and I want you to answer them in your heart and in your mind right now. Do you want your life, do you want your life to be better than it is right now? Would you like a deeper connection to God? Would you like to be stronger in your ability to overcome temptation in your life? Would you like to build healthier relationships with your family and your friends and all those around you? Would you like to have hope in the midst of uncertain times and when tragedy and hardship comes to your life? 
There's a company out there that did the research on those issues and those questions. They did a huge study, 100,000 people in uh, over seven years, 20 different countries throughout the world. And they found one common thing among people who, with those features in their lives. They all did one thing in common. And because they did that one thing, they had statistically better lives, better attitudes, better health, better relationships, better interpersonal skills, better hope, more hope. They were growing deeper and more spiritually than the other people in the survey. What is the one thing that they had in common? One thing. The one thing they had in common was that they engaged the Bible four or more times a week. They made the Word of God a foundation for their life and their entire existence. And I think that we learned from that study, and we've seen it in our own lives, that the truth of it is that words are powerful, more powerful than we ever thought. You remember that saying that goes, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words or names will never hurt me. You've heard that before? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Psychologists, sociologists, anthropologists, a whole bunch of other smart people have found that that is entirely wrong. That statement is not true. Words are powerful, far more powerful than sticks and stones. And I think that you know what I'm talking about. If you had mentors or parents or anyone in your life speak positive, encouraging words into your heart, into your being, year after year, you know how powerful that is for you. My mom did that to me. My uh, many other mentors, many other spiritual advisors did that to me. I remember one of my college professors said to me, Michael, whatever you, you do, you're going to do it with excellence. And when she said it, it wasn't descriptive because I wasn't doing things with excellence. She did it, she did it with prescriptive. It was, it was like a prophecy or something. It was a word of encouragement. And I draw on those words to find strength and hope and ability to do things because they are powerful. You might know the other side of it too. You may have had parents or someone in your life who's abusive, spoke negative, hurtful, abusive words into your life. And you know, you know in your heart what I'm talking about, how powerful words are, how destructive they can be. What kind of words are we putting into these minds and into the hearts of ourselves and of our third graders and of our youth, words. John chapter 6 says this. Some people were, were, they were leaving Jesus because they couldn't handle a teaching that he, he had given. And he asked his disciples, are you going to leave? In John 6 verse 68, Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus' words are full of spirit they are full of life. The Word of God, I mean, if you read the Word of God and you dig into the Word of God, you will find so much encouragement, so much freedom, so much life, so much truth, so much forgiveness and redemption, and you'll also find a healthy challenge to who you are as a human being. And I'll tell you, in God's Word, I have found something for every situation I have endured in my life, whether it's good or bad, tragic or awesome, the Word of God speaks to it. Now, I've been around the Bible a long time in my life, but it didn't really go to the next level for me until I started engaging it. Like that study says, four or more times a week. 
And I know I've talked about it here in church before, but I can remember it like it was yesterday. I went on the houseboat trip with our youth up to the Delta, had a great time, and I, I heard other kids talking about the Bible and what versions they like to read. And I said, man, maybe I should be doing that. I came home, I started reading the Bible, not for my parents, not for my pastor, not for my confirmation teacher. I started reading it for myself, and I learned about what it meant to engage the Word of God. I read it by myself. I read it with my friends. And with my friends, we let it drive us to action, engaged. The Word of God changed the trajectory of my life. But the thing is, we often wonder, how do we actually engage the Word of God? What does it look like? Now, there's all sorts of metaphors and all sorts of ways we could talk about it. But I believe Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, gives us some insights of how we're supposed to engage the Word. It says this, the Word of God is alive. And it's active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Those words are powerful. I mean, when you think of the Bible, do you usually think of a weapon? Do you think of a weapon? When you think, hey, I'm going to get my Bible out, you don't think of a, a weapon. Back in Jesus' day, soldiers had swords. Our soldiers have machine guns and all sorts of things, and we usually don't align ourselves with the Bible with a weapon. But weapons are used for defense and for offense, right? The swords in Jesus' day, they used them to defend themselves and protect themselves, but offensively they used it to defend and protect others. It's a powerful matter, metaphor. But in order to use a sword, you have to engage it with strength. Just so happened to have my, uh, a sword up here. I just found that here, sitting here. Okay. <laughs> Ouch! Okay, no, just kidding, third, for third graders, you're not going to get hurt. Trust me. It's a sword, right? Any third grader? Can I have a volunteer? Anyway. <laughs> Patrick, come on up. Come on up, Patrick. All right, come on forward. All right. Don't hurt me, Patrick. I know you're trained in this sort of thing. I want you to do something for me. In order to hold this sword, I want you to put out your hand, put out a pinky. Can you hold on to this sword with your pinky finger? How's that working? Now, now, can you swing it? No, not too well, can you? All right, how about use your pinky finger and your thumb. Can you hold it that way? Just your thumb and your pinky finger. It's not too good, huh? How about just use your, uh, your ring finger? Can you put your ring finger out there? Can you hold it with just your ring finger? Yeah, that, that looks really good. You're going to be able to defend yourself pretty well, huh? How would you hold it if you really had to hold it? Your whole hand, right? You'd use all five fingers. You'd use your palm and you'd hold it with strength. Wave it out there for everyone to see. Good job, Patrick. <laughs> Good job, buddy. Good job. Thanks for not hurting me. I appreciate it. Sword. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. If you're going to grab a sword, you have to use your whole hand. You have to use all your fingers. You have to use a thumb. You have to use the palm of your hand. A pastor friend of mine talks about it, and he compares it to the word of God in, the, in Hebrews chapter 4. And he gives, he gives this analogy, and he says, if you're going to grab the sword, you've got to use all the fingers. You've got to use your thumb. You've got to use your hand. And the first one he talks about, you've got to use that pinky finger. It's included in there, and that's here. You've got to hear the word on the radio, on TV, on a podcast, in worship. You've got to read it out loud maybe in your family. But the problem is with hearing, we forget about 95% of everything that we hear, right? So hearing's not enough. We also have to read. That means there's an intentionality. We have to plan for it. We have to say, you know, I'm going to read the Bible every day. I'm going to read the Bible four or more times a week. 
I'm going to use it on my, my iPhone. If you've got version, it's an awesome app. Go Tandem, another app. It'll shoot Bible plans and Bible readings to you on your app, on your phone, on your email, all sorts of ways to get a plan and intentionality. But hearing and reading is not enough. You also have to study. And by study, that means you read it, but you read it and you slow down. You take out a pen, maybe you circle and you underline stuff and you ask questions, you make comments in the margins, you highlight things that are meaningful to you. And when you have those questions about the Bible, you go and ask your life group or your friends or your pastor or you go to the commentaries or you look in a study Bible and you find the answer. And when you find the answer, it seeps down into your being. But that's not enough either. You have to memorize. Third graders, have you ever memorized any scripture? Yeah? How about this last week? Parents, do you remember that one? Yeah. Second commandment, right? That was a big one, man. That was like five lines. It took a lot of work. Yeah. But when you memorize the scripture, you're able to put the scripture into your being in a different way. You're able to draw upon it at any moment. It helps you resist temptation. It helps you make wise decisions. It helps you deal with stress in your life and in other people's lives. It helps you when you're sad. It helps you when you're ready to share your faith and comfort others. I remember the first verse I ever memorized at St. John's, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. I can still remember it. Fifth grade, right across the street. Powerful verse. It's in me. It's never going to leave me. But memorizing is not enough. We also have to meditate. Now, when you hear meditating, you're thinking, okay, some kind of Eastern thing, and you got to, you know, chant some sort of thing, and, and, and you have to empty yourself of everything. That's not what we're talking about in meditation in, in the Christian church. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says, meditating on the word day and night says, if you do that, you will prosper and you will succeed. Now, how many of you know how to worry out there? All right, if you know how to worry, then you know how to meditate, okay? So what happens when you worry? When you worry, something negative, something bad that is either happening or you think might happen, you run it around in your head over and over, and then it goes down into your heart, into your soul, you get a stomach ache, you wake up in the middle of the night, and you're worried, right? Anxiety. Well, meditation is just the positive side of that. Meditation is when you take the word of God, you take his promises, you take his grace and his mercy, verses that you know, and you run it around in your head, in your mind, into your stomach, into your body, into your being, and you find peace, and you find rest, and you can sleep easily, and you can live confidently. I saw that in my life uh, just a little over a year ago when my wife was uh, hospitalized, Matthew chapter eleven twenty eight. I had done all those things. I had heard it. I had read it. I had studied it. I had memorized it. And then I started to meditate on it. Because I'm telling you, I was filled with worry. I was woken, woken up in the middle of the night worrying, worrying about my wife, worrying about my family, worrying about myself. And then the scripture came to me that I had learned and I'd studied and I had memorized the scripture from Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 that says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, Jesus said. And that meditating on that scripture brought me peace. But it wasn't enough just to meditate. I had to apply it to my life. I had to grab that verse with all of my being. And I was saying to God, I said, God, what do you mean when you say, come to me? And I heard Jesus 
not audibly, but I just got the thought in my mind, and I think that's what he was guiding me to. He said, I have to help you, Michael. You can't do this on your own. You're weary. You're heavy laden. You're burdened. You cannot find rest on your, your own, Michael. You need me. And when I heard that voice clear, loud, I heard him say, in a way, the body of Christ is me. I am the body. I am the believers. I am St. John's. I am in your life group. I'm all over you. I'm in the people that love you and care for you. And the people of this church surrounded my family and spoke words, powerful words of encouragement and of prayer and did things for us and applied the word of God to our lives. We have to build our house on the rock, not on sand. Sticks and stones may break our bones, but words... Words can change the entire trajectories of our lives. When Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, which is known by everyone throughout the world, Matthew chapter 5, two chapters later, he talks about that sermon. He talks about the Bible. He talks about the words. Pastor Peterson, Eugene Peterson, he, he rearranges the words and he kind of brings it into our own language and he says this. It's like Jesus was saying this. He was saying, these words I speak to you, they are not incidental additions to your life. These words are not homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, he's saying, he's saying if you grab the sword with all your might and strength, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. I can tell you 100% from my experience, from the statistics of the studies that have bear it out, if you engage the word of God four or more times a week, if you grab the sword of the spirit with all of your strength and with your might, your identity will be strengthened. Your purpose for living, it will be sharpened and your relationships with others are filled with life. Excuse me there. You will be refreshed from your soul if you let the word of God and you grab it. It's a weapon, and it defends you, and it allows you to defend others. I want to encourage you to grab hold of the sword of the Spirit, the word of God this week. Engage it. Surround yourself with his words because they're strong. They're encouraging. They're life-giving. They're challenging they're powerful, and they're always true. Sticks and stones may break our bones, but the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, is alive, and it's active, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's a foundation to build your life on.